Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Thank you very much for downloading. Thank you very much for listening in. I really do appreciate it. This week I was joined by Saffron Warden Captain Ben Harris on the show. He was my co-host this week in Nathan John's absence, yet Nathan's still away in London. And he has a match again this evening, hence he can't be on the airwaves. He's contributing the show, so don't worry, you'll get to hear his lovely voice later on. But Ben Harris, uh, my co-host uh, this week, and I was hoping to record the the segment to introduce the podcast with him, but he shot off after the show. He was off like a shot. The minute I pressed the last jingle of the evening and, and outroed the programme, he was gone. He was gone, clearly got better things to do. In fairness to him, I do think he was at the Saffron Walden Club Nets night this evening. And uh, as first team captain, he has duties to attend to, I'm sure. But it was great to have him on the programme. Looks as though the weather's getting a bit nicer ahead of this weekend, which is which is good news. I was going to chat about the test match. England involved in the test match against India. The first test was drawn, rained off in the end. It was a sad state, wasn't it, in the middle of August to see the, the covers on at Trent Bridge after a was really a pretty gripping test match throughout where ball dominated bat which I think is probably always best in a test match scenario it often leads to, to better games than batting on for days and days and days you don't see that at all really nowadays especially especially in England anyway but uh, a gripping test match set it up nicely for the remainder of the five match test series of so four test matches to go of course England's batting was uh, in the spotlight once again once again and uh, yeah, caused many people on social media to vent their frustration, which they're perfectly entitled to do so. Interesting seeing a few comments from KP over the last couple of weeks about the standard of county cricket, the ever understated and subtle Kevin Peterson, whereas someone called Springsteen Cricket on Twitter posted a lovely picture of an article on wisdom.com where KP was quoted in saying, I scored 350 against Leicestershire for Surrey a few years ago, and honestly, I had faced better club bowling. That's the reality. What he failed to mention in the article, though, is that also bowling in that game was Chris Tremlett, Curran, Ansari and Batty, and Leicestershire scored 772 runs themselves, which clearly proves that all of those are club bowlers as well. Good old KP, hey? Anyway... KP was venting his frustration on social media. i tell you what you can do on social media. You could very, very kindly share this week's podcast, like, comment, subscribe, all the usual stuff, please. Very much appreciate it. If you can, let us know what you think on social media. We're at FTP Cricket 105. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, good evening, and welcome along to the local cricket show where we ran up all the action from around the county. This is from the Pavilion. My name is Ollie Slack, and this is your home of cricket here in Cambridgeshire. On today's show, we'll run up all the action, including how Cambridgeshire's 50-over trophy semi-final versus Cumbria was decided via a bowl-out. Cambridgeshire 50's captain Nigel Gadsby will be telling us how our county's senior sides are faring this season too. We'll look ahead to another CCA Cup final. This Sunday it's the Lower Junior Cup final state. And we'll bring you the second quarter final tie of the FTP Quiz Cup Live. 
if you want to contribute to the show you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook we are also live in the studio this week so you can get in touch via the text and the emails text us on 07919 070 490 or you can email us studio at cambridge105.co.uk Thank you very much for tuning in. And also, if you're listening on the podcast, I said Ollie Slack with you until 7 o'clock this evening here on Cambridge 105 Radio. And joining me this week, not Nathan, no, he's still away, is a guest co-host in Ben Harris of Saffron Walden. Good evening, Ben, mate. How are you doing? Evening, Ollie. All good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for joining me. No, no problem. Pleasure. How's the, how's the season been going for yourself so far? You've been enjoying it? Not, not been great weather, has it? No, I think the weather's been the biggest disappointment. Um, and again, at the weekend, obviously, we'll come to that. But a lot of games were washed out due to weather. And, I mean, we're, sit- we're sitting seventh, I think, in the Premier League, which, you know, is mid-table. No mean feat, but obviously, we'd hope to be pushing a bit higher. Um, but we've still got five games to go, so plenty to play for. Yeah, plenty to play for indeed. Now, I was actually reading a story this week, or actually watching some of the streams on YouTube of County Cricket, and found out that Ben Code of Yorkshire has been designing throughout lockdown a helmet for bowlers to wear. Obviously, now in the modern day with white ball cricket, and especially T20, the ball gets smacked back past the bowler at such speed. Is that something you'd ever consider putting on, Ben? Um, I mean... I think it was only a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Luke Fletcher got, got hit in the head yeah. during during a county game. And I think since then, I think there's a guy from New Zealand, I think it's Seth Rance. He actually bowls in one. Um, um, I think he plays for Canterbury or Otago or someone like that in New Zealand. Um, I'm not sure I would. Um, but I mean, some of the lads these days do hit it very hard. So, I mean, you've got to be careful. I think only in the 100 game a couple of days ago, I think I saw... Is it Nigel Long or one of the umpires just get out of the way of a ball that I think Liam Livingston cracked back at him? Um, so, yeah, it's dangerous. I mean, it's a good idea, especially at the top level, because those lads just hit it so hard. Um, and, you know, hate to say it, but it does look like one one of these days an accident kind of looks inevitable. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's certainly right. Did you see, I don't know whether you've had a chance to see yet, but look, flicking through the scorecards across the last few days, and on play cricket, one's been uploaded from Senior 3 where Barrington defeated Islam by eight wickets after they bowled Islam out for 36. They chased it down in 8.1 overs. And one lad for Barrington got 10 wickets. 10 for 12, his figures. Niall Keating bowled the whole of Islam out. I mean, he's literally completed cricket. As a bowler, he literally might as well give up now. He's, he's done all he, all he needs to do. That is unbelievable. I've never heard of that. I've ne- I've seen people get eight for nine. Oh, I've seen a nine for not personally, but on the scorecard, <laughs> I've never seen ten. I mean, normally there's a run out or something, yeah. especially in a low score like that when there's a bit of panic to get a ten wickets. I mean, that's some achievement. Can you imagine? I've got the fourth wicket down, and the new batsman goes, "Yeah, what's he doing?" I was just moving it a little bit. And then he just continues to take wickets. Remarkable. Just looking at the scorecard. I mean, I don't want to obviously keep banging on about it for Iceland's sake, but for Niall Keating, it's incredible. 10 for 12, his figures. Off 7.3 overs, five maidens. He's done his uh, his averages, no harm at all. I no guesses for working out who's going to get the average bowling averages at the end of the year for Barrington. Um, let's crack on with the quiz. I think we should. The second quarter final of the FTP Quiz Cup. And this week, it's Sauston and Babraham 
against Histon. Last week, Eaton Soken defeated Wisbeach. This week, it's Sourson of Abraham against Histon. I'm delighted to say joining me from the two clubs is Nick Griggs of Sourson of Abraham and Jake Alcott for Histon. How are you doing, chaps? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good to hear, good to hear. Nick, let's start with you. You were telling me earlier that you've got a bit of a break. A couple of weeks off, no games in August. Yeah, yeah it's very strange. Had a game, uh, obviously, the first weekend of August, then haven't got another Saturday game um, for the rest of the year. Got a game on the bank on the day Monday. Just a pretty surreal experience, really, not having any cricket during the main part of the season, but it's what it is. Yeah, it's an odd one. There's lots of stars, I guess, need to catch up, don't they, due to sort of COVID and various postponements and weather, etc. Jake, what about you? How's the, the season been going? Looking at the table, pretty good. Histon, top of the pile? Yeah, yeah, we're looking all right. Looking all right. It's um, that, that, that league's a little bit cryptic this year with random Sunday games um, after rearrangements and slight admin errors on the table. But I'm, I'm, right now, we're top of the league, so I can't complain. Let's crack on with the quiz then. Let's find out who's going to come out on top today. Ben, if you wouldn't mind, keep count of the scores for me, please. Hopefully it won't be too complicated anyway. Um, I'll just explain the format for those who aren't aware. Of course, regular listeners will know. But you two guys will be competing against each other in a best-of-five contest. Each question will have six possible answers. The player going first will take a guess. If they're right, they get a point. If they're wrong, play passes across to your opponent and continuously then, a bit like a tennis rally. To decide who's going first, you will answer a separate question where the closest answer wins. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah, got it. Good. Good to hear. That's Good fine. To hear. Good. Let's start with uh, the toss then to decide who gets to answer the first question. Now, of course, it was announced this week that Joffre Archer is out of the T20 World Cup and the Ashes, which is a big blow for England. Of course, get well, Joffre. I know you're listening. But how many wickets has he got in his England career to date across test matches, ODIs and T20 internationals? Now, just to give you a bit of a steer, he's played 42 matches across all formats. So we'll start with you, Jake. What do you reckon? Oh, I'm absolutely googling it. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was a long pause, Jake. That was a very long pause. Absolutely, no idea. What about suspicious? What about ninety-seven? Ninety-seven, Nick. What about you? Uh, I will go with eighty. Nick, you get it right. It's eighty-six. So you are the closest. Just six away. Eighty-six wickets for Joffrey Archer. A very, very close contest. That. So Nick, you get to answer the first question. Which England fielder ran out Ajinka Rahane in India's opening innings of the first test at Trent Bridge? Was it Zach Crawley, Dom Sibley, Dan Lawrence, Johnny Bairstow, Rory Burns or Jimmy Anderson? What do you reckon? Uh, Johnny Bairstow. Johnny Bairstow. Good start, Nick. Good start. 1-0 to Sauce and Abraham. Jake, this question's for you. Are you ready? Yep. Similar, similar line. Which England fielder dropped KL Rahul on 52 in India's first innings of the first test at Trent Bridge? Was it Zach Crawley, Dom Sibley, Dan Lawrence, Johnny Bairstow, Rory Burns or Jimmy Anderson? Zach Crawley? You're going with Zach Crawley? <laughs> it's incorrect, I'm afraid. Jake means play passes over to Nick. Got a chance to take a 2-0 lead, Nick. What do you reckon? Is it Dom Sibley? It was. It was Dom Sibley. Joe Root dropped him later on, but I think that was then pretty close before he was dismissed by Jimmy Anderson. But, yep, Dom Sibley dropped on 52. So it's 2-0 to Nick. 
And this question is for you, Nick, to wrap it up. Are you ready? Yep. Question three is, Australia were bowled out for just 62 against Bangladesh on Monday. I'll read that question out again. Australia were bowled out for just 62 against Bangladesh on Monday. Sounds good. In the fifth and final T20 international between the two sides, but how many Aussies reached double figures in their score of 62? Was it zero, one, two, three, four, or five, Nick? Righty. Uh, I'll go with what's it? What's this? All, all up sixty-two. Zero, one, two, three, four, or five, and they were all out for sixty-two. I'll go with yeah, two. You going with oh. two? It's a sigh from yeah. Jake there. Oh. <laughs> and that's why, because it's correct. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Jake. That was a complete. Are you all right? <laughs> I knew that one. <laughs> oh, Jake. Greasy <laughs> badger. Jake, 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 Jake. Ed, Ed Hyde's going to be fuming at He's me. He's absolutely livid. I can, <laughs> I can see the smoke filling over Cambridge. Yeah, he won't be happy because, of course, Ed is the reigning New Year's Day quiz champion and Jake took the reins from Ed when he wasn't able to do it. How are you going to break the news to him, Jake? Obviously, if he's not listening already. He's definitely listening, of course he is. He loves it. <laughs> I think he's our only listener. Jake, thanks so much for, thanks so much for doing the quiz. Really appreciate it, mate, and all the best for the, the season ahead. No worries, guys. Thanks a lot. Nick, congratulations once again. Thanks, mate. Semi-finals now. Oh, who'd have thought it? Well, who'd have thought it? I'll ask the same question I asked you last time. Will you be carrying the baton again for Sourcing of Abraham? Well, I'll, I'll see how we go. If we, if we get to the final, I'm sure uh, Dan will want to take over. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if we get there, we'll see, we'll see when that comes. <laughs> Well, we'll do the draw in a couple of weeks and you can find out who you get in the semi-finals. But for now, you've done all you can, Nick. Congratulations. Through to the semis. Well done, mate. And uh, enjoy your next couple of weeks off. Cheers. Do whatever you like. <coughs> Cheers, mate. Speak soon. Nick Griggs there from Sawson and Babraham and also Jake Alcock from Histon. Ben is still with us. Ben, what do you, what'd you make of the quiz? What do you make of their performances? It's a whitewash, wasn't it? 3-0 series. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> um, I mean... The last one was pretty fluky, wasn't it? He didn't have a clue. No. Um, but, I mean, the first two questions were pretty recent. I mean, obviously, obviously last week, so it's obviously got a good short-term memory anyway. I'll ask you question four because I think you'll probably be a bit out of date by next week and see if you can get it. Just just for just for pride, we'll play for. So, Bangladesh won the series 4-1 against Australia, but who finished top run scorer? Was it Mitchell Marsh, Shaki Balasan, Afif Hussain, Mamadullah, Dan Christian or Matthew Wade? Come on. I'm a bit of a badger, to be honest. Oh, go on then. The, I, I watch a lot of cricket. <laughs> I know they lost the series, but I know Mitchell Marsh has been carrying them with the bat, so I think he's outscored everyone. But I might be wrong. Oh, Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Well done, mate. Okay. Well done. Still got it. Do you reckon you know Dan pretty well? Do you reckon he'll be gagging to, to take over for the final of the semis? I reckon he'll let Griggsy carry on. Do you think so? You should do anyway. Yeah, you should do anyway. You should. Delegate. <laughs> Delegate, yeah. We'll find out in the next few weeks. We'll find out next week who gets through to the semi-finals as well because it's Needingworth against Iceland, then Longstanton against City of Ely, which would complete our semi-final lineup in the FTP Quiz Cup. Cambridge 105 Radio From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio 
Yeah, welcome back from the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Ollie Slack and Saffron Wardens. Ben Harris with you this evening until 7pm. Now, Cambridgeshire over 60s are through to the quarterfinals of the county championship after defeating Surrey by eight wickets last Tuesday with Nigel Gadsby scoring 102 not out in the run chase of 134. Gadsby was hoping to lead the over 50s to a quarterfinal of their own on Sunday against Essex, but it was washed out and has been rearranged for this coming weekend instead. The Foxton batsman has played across the county for over about 40 years now and is still seeing the ball pretty well. He's averaging 400, yep, 464 for the 60s this season. Incredible. And he was hoping to earn a seat on the plane to Australia for the over 60s World Cup, but that has been cancelled due to COVID. I caught up with the man himself earlier on this week. Just remember, he's averaging 464, and this is what he had to make of his uh, season so far. It's been a bit mixed. I uh, unfortunately have had a lot of hamstring problems uh, for the first first half of the season, but actually, just recently, I've sort of seemed to have got a bit better. And uh, I've had a few runs for the over 60s and the over 50s. This is Cambridgeshire and Fox and Seconds. We've had a uh, a good run in the Tucker too. I think we've won the last three games, so we were completely bottom, but we've suddenly sort of caught up with the pack now. So um, there's a few more games to play yet, so we've got a chance of avoiding relegation. It must be something to do with the name Nigel and hamstrings, because my dad is having a similar issue, Nigel. But I'm sure your form is far better than, than his has been with his dodgy hamstring. Well, I don't know. I mean, at one stage, the over-50s had three of us with hamstrings, and it's, um, it was a problem, but we have seemed to have just about sort of all recovered at the right time. Good. Like I say, it hasn't seemed like it's affected your form too much. We'll come on to that later on. Just for the listeners who perhaps maybe aren't as aware, Nigel, how many seasons have you now been playing cricket? Uh, <laughs> I would say probably over 40. Blimey. Can you remember your first ever game? Well, we played. I played school cricket, and then when I left school, I obviously played club cricket. So I have just turned sixty, so it probably is forty years plus. <laughs> forty years of toil for the bowlers against you. Well, I don't know about that. Sometimes most of them have got me out. Sometime. <laughs> Do you ever get bored of scoring runs, though, Nigel? Because you just seem to have scored so many. Uh, no, because there's there's always a game around the corner when you you get naught or a, an umpark and sort of give you a poor decision so not yet no and it's, I'm, I'm quite lucky in that I play for different teams so it's always it's always nice playing with different people and um, that gives you some motivation yeah I can imagine do, do you ever think about when you'll finish I mean now in days in, in the county scene the first class county scene there's lots of players playing beyond 40 obviously Treskoffic did and, and Darren Stevens is still playing is there an age where you're setting your limit where you're not going to play any further well I mean I, I, I was considering sort of uh, not playing so much and just watching my sons. I've got two sons that play, but but actually this over sixties cricket, there is um, there's a possibility I could play for England. Yeah, I think I had a good chance, but the the World Cup in Australia in November has already been called off, so that's something I was aiming for. But um, because of coronavirus, that's certainly been put back for a year at least. Yeah, I was going to talk about that, so you might as well discuss it now. So just explain how they pick that England over-60s team and presumably you'll be in for a good shout for getting into the World Cup squad next year. Yeah, well, they just, they would just look around all the counties. There's obviously every county, this is first-class and minor counties, all play in the over-60s competition and they would have just the, the usual selectors from different parts of the country and they would obviously look at uh, look at various players and their form and then, and then go from there, but... 
Yeah, I mean, there isn't obviously that many people that play over 60s, but so it's sort of fairly easy to see who the sort of the best players are, really. And are there any notable sort of former England players in that team or that would make that team? Because because we haven't played any games yet or any trials, I, I couldn't say at the moment, but I'm sure probably further north in the country there'd be one or two who definitely played first-class cricket. I mean, a name like Mark Elaine, I know he still plays over 50s and... Uh, and there was one or two other names who would be well known still play sort of, uh, over sixties cricket. But for you, when you when you're a kid, you dream of playing for England, don't you? Every kid who, who plays cricket does. So, albeit not to do it for the the senior side, the <laughs> the, the normal senior side, to do it for the sixties side would be would probably as good as it gets, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like anything to to play for England. Uh, if you can't play when you're 18, why not play when you're 60? I agree, it's, a, it's still an England cap and uh, and they always play the Ashes against Australia. Obviously, that's slightly been put on hold at the moment, but that's the normal sort of routine. They, and they wear their, their England blazers and the Australians wear their baggy, baggy greens and um, it's a, it's pretty serious stuff. But um, this is at over 60 level, so it's obviously a more gentle version of the game. And the experience of touring as well, especially if you get to in Australia, that must be amazing and probably something that you haven't done for a while. I imagine you played overseas when you were younger, but probably not something you've done in a fair few years. Well, actually, I have been on quite a few tours. I've um, I often toured with a 40 club to Dubai. And so I have been um, in recent years probably on a tour every three years. So I've been quite lucky. I have managed to go on some of these these trips. Have you managed to get an England cap before in the over 50s? or No, no. The, the over 50s... Um, so the main players are, are Giles Eccleston and actually Ajaz Akhtar, who plays for Cambridgeshire, he, he played for England last year, but they um, he was quite lucky. He lives in Peterborough and only had to go to Radlett to play the game where they played Wales, where the over-60s, it, it appears we've got to go to Australia to play in the World Cup to get a cap. So uh, he's been very lucky and I think he's he's played twice now and got two caps. Presumably they win that moment comes which you'd probably expect it will and you get that England cap it'll be an incredibly proud moment it will be yeah I mean that's that's probably keeping me going at the moment it's something uh, yeah I'd love to do yeah absolutely let's talk about Cam's over 50s then to start with you were due to play in the last 16 of the county championship knockout versus Essex but it was rained off so that's going to be rescheduled but how do you see your chances in that one well on Sunday we've just had we knew they were missing Giles Eccleston, who's obviously the star player because of his father's birthday. So I'm sure he'll be back to play uh, next Sunday. So obviously um, that was an opportunity possibly to beat them. But but obviously they're a very good side. We know they're good because they've got four or five first-class players. They've got um, Giles Eccleston, Tim Smith, who used to play a lot for Cambridgeshire, who's, who's um, a quality player. So it's, it's going to be a very difficult game, but it's a challenge we're looking forward to. Um, we haven't got to travel to Yorkshire, Lancashire or Durham. We've got to go up the M11 to, to play Essex. So it's um, it's a game we're really pleased to, to have got. Do you fancy your chances getting to the latter stage of the competition as well? Is this, is this one that you looked at the start of the season and said, yeah, we can hopefully go far in? Yeah, we, we have got a, a very good team. A lot of the names, David Norman, Russell Dole, people all know these names, but they're all ex or Cambridgeshire players. And at the moment, everybody seems fit because that's half the problem with Overage cricket is the injuries are, are quite uh, quite consistent all the time. But well, we've got a good team. We're fairly fit. But Essex are obviously a quality side. So until we play them, we're not quite sure the level they're at. But but we do fancy our chances. And moving on to the over 60s, you're captain of the over 50s, but you play for the over 60s. Just explain how that 
works. I believe you're allowed one player in the age group below, or a couple of players. It was it was last year because of um, coronavirus. They had a sort of a, a later season tournament, um, and where we played sort of the, the local eastern counties, and they allowed for one year only. You could play if you you were a year young. So I played when I was 59. I think the rules haven't changed for this year. So I obviously played a few games for them. And then this year I've carried on playing. I mean, I, I didn't play so much at the start of the season due to injury, but I've just played recently. And obviously we qualified for the Nationals, which is part of the game of the season in the league season. And then we happened to play Surrey away uh, last week and um, we actually beat them. Had a fantastic result. Yeah, you're through to the quarterfinals now after the eight-wicket win over Surrey. Yourself scoring 102 not out as well. So still clearly seeing the ball very well, Nigel. Yeah, I had a good game because I must admit it was a it's a fixture you sort of you expected to be a difficult one and um, and what with harvest coming up, I thought it'd probably be the last game of the season. And actually, we well and truly beat them. It was it was no no fluke. I mean, um, we did play very well on the day, and we now go into the next game thinking that we can beat Kent. I mean, uh, suddenly uh, the belief has gone up and the confidence has gone up, and we've got Kent at home, so it's a it's a good home draw for us. And um, I know everybody thinks we've got a great chance of beating them. Well, I'm going to embarrass you now, Nigel, because I'm going to talk about your stats for the over-60s this season. Have you seen them? Uh, yeah, I've had a bit of luck this season. The, the runs have, have flowed. <laughs> so it's been very good, actually, yeah. Five games, five innings, four not outs, 464 runs. So, therefore, it doesn't take a lot to work out the maths that you average 464 with a high score of 116, which is quite incredible. I mean, the poor bowlers having to run up and bowl, knowing knowing those stats in the back of your mind. I'd probably have to admit that um, the fielding isn't quite as as good in the over sixties level, and possibly the catching isn't as good as well. So, I'm sure I've been dropped. I think against uh, Suffolk, I was dropped three times by the same person. Ah, oh, poor poor bloke. Yeah. However, the years as have you sort of approached to cricket changed, or has it at all? I'm just thinking. You mentioned earlier about your sons who play for Foxton. Have you had to spend a bit more time with them? Do you take it sort of not less seriously, but do you enjoy it more now because they're playing? And how's your approach to cricket changed over the years? Because you've been playing forty years, like you said. No, it's, it's probably the same actually. It's, um, I don't really play any cricket in April. It's just too cold. I, you know, I, I enjoy playing cricket when the sun comes out. The older the level you play at, the more people perhaps socialise after the game. Whereas the modern cricketer often just plays the game and, and leaves, where the old-fashioned cricketer probably stays and has a drink and um, has a bit more of a social life. And also, league cricket now, that even in Tucker 2, we have to play 50 overs, and they give a wide if the ball misses leg stump, which even means if an off-spinner turns it, they give a wide. So... The games take so long and, and we're always having to field for 55 overs. Well, that's enough to put you off. And I can see why so with a modern, younger player, he doesn't want to play because some of the sort of the rules are you know, ridiculous. In the olden days, uh, you could probably bowl 18 overs an hour. Well, now, for some reason, you only seem to bowl 12 or 13. So the game seems to take a lot longer, especially club cricket. Yeah. Just lastly, then, on, on the point around enjoying it and... and playing do you seem to get more frustrated now when you get out less frustrated i mean i guess you can go back and chat about it with your sons is that quite nice mm, um, I, tr I try not to say too much to them because they um probably have heard it before <laughs> the frustration is keeping fit that's the problem it's uh it's injuries and how you avoid injury really and um uh a lot of older cricket you don't see much diving around because as soon as somebody dives 
they get injured. And I think I think in the first three over 60s games, each game somebody was being carted off the pitch by two or three of his club mates because he pulled a muscle so badly he couldn't walk off. Ouch. And there's not many games you play where somebody isn't sort of pulling a muscle. And that, that's, that's the frustration. It's obviously uh, the body isn't as, as good as... And fit as it used to be, but um, yeah, but we we sort of persevere when it's when we're, we're when we're playing some games and it's going well. It's uh, it's very enjoyable still. And you mentioned your forty-year cricket career. Do you still enjoy playing now as much as you did in year one? Uh, I probably do actually. I've I've always enjoyed playing for Cambridgeshire. Just um, it's just in my blood. And uh, yeah, I've had I've had great pleasure captaining the over fifties because I've now got five or six of my minor county team from the old days all playing, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, the sixties is also uh, they're they're a very nice crowd. And pride in in captaining Cambridgeshire as well, because obviously you've you've played around the county for so long, and are leading that team out. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, especially, especially sort of um, having players who played with me before. It's, there's, there's obviously a bit of loyalty, isn't it? Give and take from um, the players to you and, and back to them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's very nice sort of captaining those 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 characters. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, that was Nigel Gadsby chatting to me earlier on this week after, well, the recent matches for the Cams over 60s and not so much for the over 50s, as we said, washed out. But incredible stuff, averaging 464 for the over 60s. Wouldn't it be great if you could go out to Australia and, and represent England at any age? It'd be fantastic. So we'll, of course, keep, keep you updated on uh, Nigel's progress there and, of course, the progress of our over 60s and over 50s, all our Cambridgeshire sides, in fact. Let's wrap up the East Anglian Premier League now then. And to be honest, there isn't a lot to tell you about as Rain was unfortunately the most significant player of the weekend. Burnley Singh were washed out away to Horsford after only 10.1 overs, while Sauston and Abraham did only marginally better, bowling 13.4 before they were forced off. That was more than Saff and Walden and Cambridge managed, though, as both of their games were cancelled without a ball being bowled. So all clubs take seven points each there. In terms of the table, frustratingly for Sauston and Abraham, Great Wichigan were one of the few sides to get a game in, and they took 25 points from a win at Bury St Edmunds. That means Sauston and Abraham's cushion at the top has been narrowed to 11 points. Elsewhere, it's as you were, with Cambridge in 6th, Saffron Walden 7th and Burnley down in 11th, 4th points behind Sudbury. Next week, provided the rain holds off, fingers crossed it does, I think the forecast is slightly better. Burnley hosts third place Swordston. Cambridge are also at home as they welcome Copdock and Old Ipswichian and Sawston and Babraham take on mid-table Bury St Edmunds while Saffron Walden travel away to Sudbury. Ben, you've got the Cams and Hunts Premier League wrap for us. Yeah, Histon have moved top after taking 30 points from a home win over Wisbeach Town. Rain was a factor as Wisbeach's uh, 153 all-out was adjusted down to a target of 1-2-1 on Duckworth-Lewis from 35 overs, a target which Histon managed to chase thanks mainly to opener uh, and Cambridgeshire player Kieran McKenzie's innings of 53. That knock came after a bowling spell as well of 3 for 24 from the all-rounder, so uh, quite a man and match performance from him. Elsewhere, Marchtown did Histon a huge favour by beating previous table top, top of the Eton Soken by four wickets. Uh, again, the victory from chasing reduced total due to rain as March reached their target of 145 on the last ball of the allotted 38 overs. Brandon Phillips led the way with the bat with a score of 52, while earlier in the piece, Andrew Wright was the pick of the March attack, taking four for 40. 
Adam Webster hit an unbeaten 122 for Foxton as they took 30 points with a 52-run uh, win over Cambridge. Harry Hopwood also chipped in with an unbeaten half-century as he and Webster put on 160 for the third wicket. While Cambridge St. Giles had a comfortable eight-wicket win away to Ramsey, uh, Banash Bajar's spell of five for 21 was crucial to bowling the host out for 137, a target that was chased down with relative ease, thanks largely to Zahir Huss' unbeaten 73. Yeah, Zaheer Sainz in pretty good form there. Let's just run you through the, the league table then. Now, I was made aware by Jake Alcock early when I was chatting to him before he came on air to do the quiz that there is a bit of sort of admin that needs sorting out with, with Cams and Hunt's Premier League Div 1 um, in terms of points from leftover games and games that still need to be played. But the standings are correct, so we'll give you those. Histon top, Eaton Soken are second. They're currently five points behind them, but Jake said earlier to me that Histon may be owed a few more points. We'll keep you across that. Foxton third, Wisbeach fourth make up the playoff spots. Cambridge St. Giles fifth at the moment, just eight points off Wisbeach. March Town sixth, Ramsey seventh, Stamford Town eighth, and then Cambridge twos in ninth with St. Ives Town and Warboys making up the... Well, the last spot in the table with 175. So that is Camden Hunt's Div 1. In terms of Div 2, Newmarket failed to capitalise on a rare defeat for league leaders Blunham, going down by nine wickets to Old Lesians. Newmarket was skittled for just 97 after a forfeit for Joseph Gunn Roberts. What a name that is. Plus three apiece for George Houghton and Izzy Routledge. Saffron Walden 2's lost a nail-biter to Kim Bolton. Ben will tell us more about that in a minute. For falling just three runs shy in a high-scoring thriller, while Fox and 2 saw off Huntingdon by six wickets after chasing down 1-4-4. Pretty, pretty close one there, Ben, for, for your 2's on the weekend. Yeah, it's heartbreak for the 2's. Um, I mean, I think... I haven't played at Kim Bolton, but it's very short straight. I think it's almost about 40 yards, the guys were saying. And yeah. it's often a high-scoring game there. And um, I think they got 292 or something like that. And the lads fell, fell three or four runs short um, with Finn Carson making an unbeaten 145. Um, and to be on the losing side and scoring that must be pretty tough to take. But it's a great effort. We'll move on to Div 3. Only one game to tell you about, as all bar one of the scheduled fixtures were rained off. Wisbeach 2's lost by seven wickets to Orton Park. Tom Buck did score 55 as Wisbeach notched 180, but after rain, reduced the target to 157. Orton chased it down reasonably comfortably. Now, in other matches, Cambridgeshire headed up north to Cumbria on a Sunday for their 50-over trophy semi-final, their first semi-final in 18 years, but it was heartbreak after what well, was a 500-mile round trip, and it was decided on a bowl-out, unfortunately. Just a gutting, gutting way to lose. Rain fell and fell and fell, and there was no chance, really, of getting on. So Cumbria won the bowl-out 3-2. Michael Slack, no relation, and Sam Sharp got two... Uh, I guess you call them wickets, then. You're not really sure, to be honest, as uh, Cumbria... Uh, got three and Cambridgeshire just with the two, unfortunately. Ben Seabrook and Wackers Hussain there. So what a horrible way for Cambridgeshire's fantastic 50-ever trophy journey to end. I caught up with the captain, Callum Guest, after the match. So there was a few of us staying at Scotch Corner, an hour and 20 away from the ground. And then there was the remaining lads staying in a place called Shap, which is about halfway down the M6, uh, which is about 40, 45 minutes away from Keswick. So we're all a little bit scattered out. 
it didn't really stop raining from Saturday through to Sunday morning. But as we were driving from Scotch Corner, it's probably the brightest place in Cumbria, to be honest with you. It was it was lovely weather. So we were actually thinking that we might get a game on. But the closer you got to the ground in Keswick, the more the heavens opened. And it was, um, I think we, we said it was almost like driving into Mordor. It was brutal <laughs> at some places. We get to the ground and even the locals told us that two minutes away from the ground is known as the wettest place in the UK. So it didn't really give us too much hope. It literally stopped raining, I reckon, for probably a combined total of about two hours throughout the whole day. But when I say that the rain was coming down, I mean, if it was <laughs> if it was anywhere in the south, the game would have been cancelled the moment we got there. But <laughs> to be fair to the ground staff, they tried everything to get the game on. There was quite a good turnout from the locals. We really did try and everything to almost get a game on it. As it turned out, we ended up doing a bowl out in you know, the pouring rain. But it was um, yeah not ideal. But yeah, I think there's probably quite a few things that you know the, the NCCA can learn from, but also you know ourselves. It was uh, the whole the whole event actually ended up being a bit of a shambles, and the fact that obviously at the moment no one can go go abroad. Or there's so many places that are on the red list or amber list that people aren't going abroad. That the Lake District, as you can imagine, is probably one of the most popular places for people to go away. So booking a hotel in in the first instance was an absolute disaster. So yeah, from start to finish, it wasn't great. But we you know we kind of knew what was going to happen from a week out, having looked at, looked at the weather. Yeah. So the obvious question, and one that was circulated on social media as well, is that of a, a reserve day. Was there any possibility of that happening at all? Yeah. So after our quarter final win against Cheshire, I mean, it was complete. It was, it was almost ridiculous to think about it. Because I don't know if you can take cast your mind back a couple of weeks, but it was about thirty-two degrees and absolute scorching sunshine. But knowing that we're playing in the Lake District and the weather that they get up there, the, the, there is an option of a reserve day. So we obviously turned around and, you know, we said that we wanted the reserve day. So lads had booked off Monday off work and Tuesday off work. Point being as well for that is that obviously the NTCA put in a rule that if you travel over 150 miles after the day's play, you can't actually travel home. Um, so we would have had to have stayed overnight on the Sunday anyway. For, so for us, the reserve day was an absolute no-brainer. As it turned out, Cumbria actually turned down the reserve day or the option of a reserve day before that. So... We'd kind of gone up there and then knowing that there wasn't a reserve day, hence why we you know, stayed around to about half six trying to get some sort of you know, game on. But yeah, the frustration comes from the fact, obviously, they, they, they turned down a reserve day and they, they have their reasons for that. They, they said that they, were, they had a few players missing or lads couldn't get it off work. So that was frustrating, obviously. If it, you know, we had players missing. You get players missing all the time. You don't always get it your own way. So that was probably the way we'd look at it. You know, we had two, we had a couple of players missing because of injuries, COVID, etc., whatnot. You just make you make do with what you can. So it was a bit frustrating that that was part of the reasoning, as well as the fact that obviously throughout the week, as I've just said, that the weather didn't ever look like it was going to be possible to get any sort of game on. So it was almost inevitable that the bowl out or a toss of a coin was probably going to be the end result. Which, you know, when you've gone through such a terrific campaign for either team to lose in that way was a, a little bit soul destroying, to be honest with you. Um, it almost gets taken slightly out of your own hands and it's just it almost being, being a case of oh, it is what it is. But like I said, for both teams, we both played terrific cricket throughout the whole campaign. So to lose in that manner was a bit disappointing, but oh, where you live and you learn. Yeah, I can imagine it was very, very frustrating indeed. So when the umpires come up to you and say it's too wet to play, but it's not wet enough to have a, a bowl out, what, what do you do? Do you get the rule book out? I mean, is it something you've experienced much? Who do you turn to in your ranks? Yeah, I suppose for us it was... Um, I can't credit the umpires enough to be honest with you. They really did hang around and they you know, they, they they were well aware of the situation and, you know, the context of the game. They really did try and get everything 
you know, possible, if there was any sort of break in the clouds or, you know, any hope, the ground staff, the, the umpires were out there straight away, almost immediately trying to get the game on. So I can't criticise them that way. The rules were, they, they pretty much laid it down plain and simple. It's five bowlers to bowl two balls. Ball can hit the stumps, full toss, whatever. It doesn't have to be. Just make, make sure it's a legal delivery so he foots behind the line. And then um, if it goes to a sudden death, the same order of the five bowlers bowl again, but it's only one ball and it's a sudden death. So you don't bowl your two balls. It's one ball, sudden death, but in the same order. So we didn't get down to that part. Um, if the wicket wasn't playable, so if it was almost too wet for the wicket to be unplayable, not safe, we would have gone into the AstroTurf nets. They were actually <laughs> underwater, so we probably wouldn't have got anything on there. <laughs> Um, and then if that's the case, then it comes up to a toss of the coin. So the rules are laid out pretty plain and simple, but it's one of those. I mean, it's all much of a muchness. I think if you get down to anything like a super over a toss of the coin or a bowl out, it's all pretty, it's all pretty similar. It's it almost takes the, I suppose, the skill element. I suppose out, out of all of them, probably, you know, the bowl out or the toss of the coin, the bowl out brings in some sort of skill. But yeah, to be fair to you, the wicket actually, when we bowled in the bowl out, the wicket was probably the hardest place in, in Cumbria. It was, it was rock solid. So I don't know how the ground staff managed that, but no, it was, it was, it was okay. And just lastly, reflections on the tournament as a whole, because although you're not walking away with a place in the final, you're not walking away with any silverware, it does feel like a, a big step has been made this year in terms of your recent progress in this competition in the white ball comps hasn't been great, but you've reached your first semi-final in 18 years. It feels like a big hurdle's been jumped over. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we, I've said all along, I think I've said to you in the last 18 months, two years when I've come on, I've said that we've, you know, there's enough good cricketers around Cambridgeshire to get get a competitive squad out in. And I think the first thing for us was to make sure we can get a competitive squad out in the white ball competitions. I understand that three-day cricket is very difficult to get a consistent squad out, but, you know, that 50 over, that 2020 campaign for the future, hopefully now we can get a squad together of 14, 15 players where Cambridgeshire has something to be, you know, a little bit pr- proud of. The fact that everyone's going to play, turn up every week, you know, and give their all for the county. I think that's all, all, you've, all we've asked for. And this year we've managed to get that. You know, I think results have obviously played a massive part in that as well. And the fact we got on some sort of momentum and really built it up. And uh, yeah, it was a fantastic campaign. I can't, can't fault anyone. I think uh, we went around the other night, you know, after the game. Obviously everyone was very disappointed, but there wasn't one person that was sitting in the room around the table that I could turn to and said that hasn't put in the match-winning performance of some note. Um, throughout the whole campaign, which is which is fantastic for me as a captain, but also, you know, for them individuals, there's some in that some in the group that are looking for contracts and stuff like that. You know, they put themselves in a real good shop window. So, you know, for now the county, it's all about now building on building on from this success or, you know, the semi final. Haven't gone as far as we wanted to, but then it's now building into that three day competitions and trying to get a consistent squad out for that as well. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, that was Callum Guest, Cambridge's white ball captain. Now we're going to talk about the CCA Cup finals. As we've said over the past couple of weeks, August is the month for the CCA Cup finals. So far we've had the T20 World Cup and the Junior Cup final on Sunday the 8th of August just gone. And it was Linton Village who defeated Cambridge NCI 2s. And they did so by 125 runs. Linton Village batted first, scoring a massive read, 266 in 40 overs for eight. Alex Flynn was 79. Sam Hawley was 66 at the top of the order. 
and then Cambridge NCI could only manage 141 for 8 of 27. Then the rain came and they worked out that Linton Village had a better run rate, therefore they are the champions of the Junior Cup. Guy Enyu, who was part of that winning side, caught up with Nathan earlier on this week. Now look, Flynn and, and Sam Hawley batted beautifully uh, up until the first rain break. Um, I mean, we got off to a, a flying start. And that always makes it easy to bat and, and build and, and press on to get to 266, which was quite an impressive score. I think a little bit above par on this occasion. I think it enabled uh, the later batters, Nathan Keylock and Luke Enyu, to, to come in and, and really go after the bowling and, and get us up to that good total. And then talk us through the second innings then. The game ended with NCI on 141 for eight off 27 overs. So rain affected, it sounds like? Yeah, it was rain affected us all day we went off two or three times every time there was a wicket straight afterwards funny enough um, yeah that, that was the final shower and I think by then I mean it was getting on for about seven o'clock by then and that really did chuck it down to be honest with you and so it was agreed that it was to be a, a judge on run rate because after 10 overs it can be of the second innings so we basically won the game on run rate even though it was 125 difference by then I think you know, eight down. We needed probably another three or four overs just to, to finish the game off anyway. But yeah, they, they battled hard NCI. I mean, their the opener batted really well for his 50. It's a fast scoring ground. You, you never feel quite safe there. Good wicket. Burwell should be really proud of what they produced. But as soon as you get offline and length, you can score runs very, very quickly there. Yeah, it was Malkit Singh, the opener there, who scored mm. 56 for NCI. What, is, what does winning a trophy mean for, for Linton Village as a club? A lot, a lot, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, with the Junior Cup history, uh, especially for myself, I mean, I'm showing my age, we had had four finals that we've been involved in, uh, three in the 90s and one two years ago, and we've I've never won it. So to us and personally, it's, it's a great building block, hopefully, to, to more success. I mean, it was, I think everybody enjoyed it. Uh, we're trying to... to build the club up to promotions and, and stuff like that. But to win a cup makes a big, big difference. Guy and you talking to Nathan there earlier on this week after Linton Village were crowned the winners of the Junior Cup. This week, we're going to preview this weekend's lower Junior Cup finals day as Little Shelford 2s take on Sauce and Abraham 3s and Linton Village 2s play Cambridge NCI 3s. Funny how it works out in a rerun of last week's Junior Cup final. Alistair Pringle from Little Shelford joins us now. Evening, Alistair. How are you doing? Yes, very well, thanks. Hi, Ollie. Hi, you're right. How's the, the season been going so far for you guys? In the league, uh, being honest, not, not so well. Just won the one game. But again, another side. Seems to be lots of these this year that have, have found a cup competition as a really nice break, uh, completely transforming your form. Yeah, well, you know, we uh, we set out to focus on the cup, so um, we've, we've done that pretty well. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it hasn't <laughs> gone uh, <laughs> completely to plan in the, um, in, in the league. Um, well, you know that we beat Fenditton in the in the quarterfinals, but they beat us twice in the, in the forty over stuff. They beat us on the Saturday before we we played them on the Sunday. Oh, really? So, nice to uh, finally get one over them. But yeah, um, not ideal in my first year as captain. But you know, it's uh, uh, it's all a learning experience. So hopefully, we we can uh, improve going forward. Yeah, well, you've got the the final stay on on Sunday, so it's anyone's anyone's game, really. Ben, for you, when when this sort of thing happens, I mean, you must have experienced it as skipper when, for some reason, in league competitions, you just can't seem to get going. But 
that cup competition just provides something different and, and allows players to, I guess, be released from their shackles a bit? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we're a little bit like that. We, we've struggled in the league um, and then we've played the T20 competition and we're playing Sauce and Abraham, who, as you know, are leading the league at the moment. And um, for some reason, we were all up and about and we beat them, beat them which was a bit of an upset in, in the T20 National Cup. Um, and I think that, that kind of freedom and, you know, not the pressures of the league kind of let, lets the guys just play their natural game and, you know, there's not, not so much on it. You're not the expectation of, you know, how far will you really go? Because, I mean, winning a cup competition is <laughs> very hard. Um, <laughs> mm. So, yeah, no, I think it just frees people up, really. Alistair, have you played in a, a final before? Have you experienced a finals day before? That must be really exciting for the players, a bit of a sort of T20 blast vibes to it. Yeah, well, ex- exactly. So, yeah, I mean, no, I haven't, and I don't think anyone else at the club has, to be to be honest, unless I'm mistaken. So, I mean, yeah, it would be a, quite a novel thing. So, uh, you know, no, not just the players who are playing, but everyone involved with the club, no doubt, will um, be going down because, yeah, like you say, it's uh, quite exciting, the sort of the way they've mirrored the um, T20 finals day. Uh, it should be a good day out for everyone, I think. Yeah, you're playing first 10 o'clock, and presumably it's the same wicket throughout the day, so I guess you'll get first glimpse at it, won't you? And then you have a, a bit of a break before the final. I mean, would you have had a preference either way, 10 o'clock start or 1 o'clock start for your semi-final? Uh, well, I probably wouldn't have been playing Sawston, but um, yeah, the, <laughs> I think yeah, play, playing first is, um, yeah, is, uh, is, is a positive, I think. I think we We've seen on some of the used wickets and the international stuff and, and, and that recently that it doesn't uh, come on as well for the batters. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's an advantage, definitely. Yeah, I said the other the other semi-final is Linton Village 2s against Cambridge NCI 3s. Ben, have you ever played in a final stay? Uh, I have, actually. Three or four years ago, we won the Essex T20 Cup at the County Ground, which was a pretty special day. Yeah, and no, it was good. I guess the semi-final, if you bat second, you can have that momentum, really. It's uh, much to muchness, really. But we'll move on to Alistair's big question, actually, because we're a little bit tight for time. Alistair, we've had so many serious questions over the last few weeks with this big question segment, so it was actually finally quite nice to have a slightly more jovial and fun one. What is it? The question is, what what is the the best innings you've seen this season? Best innings you've seen this season. Go on, Ben, I'll allow you to go first. It can be local, can be international, anything, anything. I'll do two. I'll do Joe Root's hundred <laughs> last week. I mean, if he if he didn't bat that well, I think we probably would have lost even with the rain that came on the fifth day. Um, and on a local basis, uh, Nicol Grantler, who plays for us, got a hundred against Sawston. And I, I mean, for a seventeen-year-old lad, seventeen, eighteen-year-old kid, it was one of the best. It was under uh, it was a under a runner ball, um, and to get a hundred against a, a team of that quality. We had the likes of Rishi Patel playing, etc. I mean, half of the Cambridge side um, <laughs> was was seriously impressive. That's nice. You've got an international one and a local one from two very talented players. Alistair, what about you? Well, yeah, I mean, you can't really argue with the, the Joe Root one. I think um, that was, I was going to mention that as well. I mean, it basically saved the uh, team. But yeah, in terms of um, locally, it's um, where we've, Funny enough, from uh, Fenditton when we played in in the forty over game the day before um, the T Twenty, um, they got two eighty against us. Uh, their opener, Rob Smith, scored a, a chanceless one hundred and forty, which I don't think I've um, 
come across before at our level. Um, you know, literally not, nothing in the air. It played the ball so late. Um, it was even getting us excited as, as fielders, even though it kept going four. But yeah, it was uh, just I'd never seen timing and um, sort of just sheer um, just control from a batsman at our level before. So yeah, he was also a PE teacher to one to our wicket keeper as well. So there was a bit of a banter going on there as well, which was uh, oh, brilliant. quite good. But yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was a, a hell of an innings and um, yeah, he's a very good player. I can imagine your wicketkeeper was sick. So he's on PE teacher, just uh, getting yeah. it well, just smashing it to all parts. But yeah, it's... it's well, such... he did, he... Yeah, he did go out to bat and then he, he hit his first ball for four and uh, looked at him and said, I learned that from you, Smith. Or something like that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, he didn't quite get 140, unfortunately. But, yeah, Brilliant go. stuff. No, it's great, and and I do I do like the inclusion of the local knocks because obviously it's all relevant and and dependent on what we've seen. Most likely going to be from our own clubs, and obviously like yourself, from a local point of view. For me, um, we put on Blunty Two's put on 282 in 40 overs against Chatteris at home, who were top of the league at the time as well. Uh, 282 for four. Um, oh, the lads are going to be so delighted. So I'm giving them a, a shout-out now, but this wasn't planned. Uh, Dan Price got 85 off 83. A 48 from Tom Uri off 37. A 47 off 25. I think it's I think it's better when it's it's local. It stands out more because you really get a... Just great to witness the clean hitting at a local level on on your own sort of village grounds. It's it's rather nice. And from a, I won't go right up to international level because Ben's done that. I'll stick with the the county scene. And how could I not talk about uh, Tom Banton's knock of 107 off 51 balls against Kent in the 10 wicket win in the mist and the fog at Canterbury. Also, it was a pleasure to watch him score 77 off 37 against uh, Hampshire, live in the flesh, actually, down at Taunton a little bit earlier on. And Will Smead as well, contributing an unbeaten 63. It says Will Smead on Wikipedia was born in Cambridge, but I'm not sure that's the case. I don't know. I'm going to have to find that out. Anyway, chaps, thank you so much for your time this evening. Ben, really appreciate you filling in. Have you enjoyed your shift as co-host? Yeah, it was good fun. Good fun. Good. Uh, so a whitewash in the quiz. That was good. You're welcome back any time, Ben. Welcome back any time. <laughs> Alistair, all the best on Sunday, mate. Thanks so much. That's all we've got time for on this week's From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks also if you're listening on the podcast, on either Apple, Spotify or the Cambridge 105 radio website. We'll be back next week at 6 o'clock, same time, same place, Cambridge 105 radio, every Tuesday at 6 until the middle of September. Thanks to all my guests for coming on tonight's show too. The quizzes earlier on. Ben Harris, big hand to him. Saffron Warden Skipper for coming on as co-host in Nathan's absence. Alistair Pringle there at the end and all the guys we spoke to earlier on in the week. If also, if you know the best innings that you've seen this year, if you've got one in your head and you think, yeah, that's, that's better than what those guys are talking about, what a load of rubbish they were chatting then let us know at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook. I'm sure there's been plenty across the county. I want to know if you saw a better innings than the ones we described earlier on. As I said, all done then this evening. Tune in next week, Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Until then, have a very good rest of the week and stay safe and well too. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105